man, you there? Yo, what's good? How's it going, man? Hey, it's Will. Calm back. Hey, it's a good time. Welcome back to Rip Roaring Radio. I'm Rockin' Willie R. And I'm Smooth Shore. Hey, nice. <laughs> that was good. Oof. What is rock? What is rock? What did I say? Rip Roaring Radio. Yeah. It's like Surfside tunes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just oh yeah, nice. straight up Beach Boys and hundred uh, percent Beach Boys all the time. <laughs> and that one song Wipeout that goes whatever. Yeah, yeah, that Ripper and Radio. That'd be a lot easier than the hard hitting journalism we actually put out. Oh my god, so much easier. On this episode of Rip Roar and Radio, we take on the Parkland shooting and uncover a massive doping scandal in the Russian Olympiads. It's totally tubular. It's fucking dope. <laughs> How's it going? Uh? It's going all right. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. It's a little chillier than I than I would have hoped. Um, we had a little bit of a tease of really warm weather there. I know. Uh, not that Mother Nature owes me anything, you know, but... Um, I did think it was going to be a bit warmer. What would Mother Nature, Mother Nature owe you if it was to owe you something? I don't know. I endured this kind of long gray winter. I was hoping for a bit more of a sustained warmth. I feel you, but the winter's not over. Not by the when calendar. winter's over. What song is that? I don't know, but I, let's let the person who sings it stick to it. Yeah, fair, fair. <laughs> uh, well, I was in New Jersey seeing my grandmother. Sweet. So we've got some writing prompts today. <laughs> <laughs> That's I literally have nothing else to say about my grandma, so might as well. No, you can if you want, or I can just segue and tell, tell the listeners what, what we've got in store today. Yeah, segue away. All right, so to, to segue away, uh, we, we've wanted to do this for a little while, kind of give each other some like fiction and or whatever, just creative writing prompts with very little time to deliver on them. It's basically one step up from improv. Uh, you know, you could think of this as kind of the logical evolution, in my opinion, of our podcast, where the podcast is basically improv. Right. And we've said before, like, oh, we want to do more written stuff. But, like, we don't want to commit to making good quality written things. Definitely not. So let's just do pre-written things as quickly as we possibly can. Yeah. Love it. I'm, so, lo- sound about right? I'm loving it. And if this goes well, and even if it doesn't go well, we're going to make this a recurring bit. Well, if it goes well, you know, yeah, I worked really hard on it. Thanks so much. If it doesn't go well, like, yeah, you know, I only worked on it for an hour. It's it's pretty shitty. Uh, how we're going to do this is we're going to give each other an option of a couple different prompts, uh, sneak away for an hour to do some writing, and then come back and, and read them to each other. Is that right? That's right. That's correct. All right. Uh, you want to give me prompts first, or, or shall I give you prompts Yeah, first? I, I got three here for you. All right. Hit me. Okay. Number one, a subway rider sees the same person on his train every morning. Number two. Okay, that's the whole thing? That's the whole thing. That's kind of just like a sentence, not really a prompt. Okay, so I have this experience on the subway a lot. I see a person who I commute with, but we don't talk. I kind of start to think yeah. of them as my Never mind. As... I'll, 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 I'll run with it how I want. I definitely took this a little bit differently for, in terms of my prompt, but I, I can run with okay, it. Okay, no. Uh, give, me, give me the other ones. <laughs> uh, number two is the worst job interview ever. Okay, got it. Number three. Narrate your thoughts while you are showing your friend a video you think is hilarious. Nice. Okay. Um, all right. Thank you very much. No problem. Uh, are you, you ready for mine? I'm ready. All right. <laughs> a small town experiences a grisly string of murders. You're a reporter who's assigned to the case, but you've only ever written about food and drink. Write me the cover story for the latest murder. <laughs> okay. Steve Urkel is sick of putting on an act. Write me as heart to heart with Carl Winslow. <laughs> I really hope you do this one. <laughs> Kanye West is accepting the Nobel Peace Prize in 2030 for What Is Up To You. Write me his acceptance speech. 
Okay. You are the chief executive officer for LaCroix Sparkling Water. Tell me how you and you alone are responsible for turning the beverage company into an American hipster staple. <laughs> now, would you say LaCroix or LaCroix? I say LaCroix. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only logical way to say that. Yeah, you're right. LaCroix, LaCroix. <laughs> LaCroix. Uh, all right, uh, chat, in, uh, chat in an hour. All right, see you then. Uh, we're just going to leave this on. You're going to get the whole the typing writing effects yeah. through the whole time. Me, oh, fuck, opening PBRs and cursing and bah, typing. Bah, 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 um, bah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, bye. Calling someone, hey, hey, is this funny? <laughs> hey, Dan, is this funny? Hey, can I run this by you really quickly? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, chat in an hour. Okay. Today's episode and the following message is brought to you by Hegel. Retribution is the inner connection and the identity of the two determinations which are different in appearance and which also have a different external existence in relation to one another. Retribution is inflicted on the criminal, and so it has the look of an alien destiny, beast among, not intrinsically its own, nevertheless punishment as we have seen is only crime made manifest. Alright, well we're back. Um, After writing ten different stories and throwing them out, I've settled on one. Yeah, this did not go super well for me. <laughs> I, I think I find well, I'll just we'll just go with it. Okay, so who would like to go first? Um, mine is not that long, somewhat long. I'll do either way. Mine is like kind of long. Well, let's see. It's written in like chunks. It's hard to quantify. <laughs> mm. You know, some people would say chunks is their least favorite word. Let's. <laughs> would you say that? No, actually, but people have said that. Not me. Uh, why don't we flip a coin? Okay. Cool. I'm uh I'm I'm in my drawer. I have I have this one is... right here. Uh no, I'll do it. No, I'll do I it. I have one right here. <laughs> uh uh okay, go ahead. Okay. Same rules as last time we did this a coin. Heads flip. I win, tails you lose. Oh, this is a Canadian coin. Nice. Okay. Shouts out to our neighbor to the mostly north. <laughs> um I I call tails. Okay. Scouts honor. Okay, usually you'd call it in the air, but you can't see it, so... I can't tell if it's in the air. Here we go, I'm flipping. Heads. Nice, so which do you want to go first or second? With the queen on the head. Um, Why is the queen of England on? Maybe this isn't a Canadian queen. I couldn't tell you. Well, I'll leave that up to the history books. I'll go first. No one actually knows, so... (laughs) Uh, Great, I'm excited. I'm excited for your piece. Okay. Um, Whenever you're ready. So I really wanted to choose the Urkel one, but I have such little knowledge of family matters that I couldn't do it justice. So I went with the uh, reporter who does food and drink, filing a report on grisly murder. Great. And I took it it as a TV report instead of a... um, Oh, okay, great, yeah. I just, you know, I thought I'd switch things up. Wait, that's also, like, perfect. Like, we should have done, like, a radio report because right. we're literally on radio, yeah. Right. So, okay. Here we go. I'm just going to go right into it. Yep. Jim, I'm standing outside of the Wesley's family humble two-bedroom home, a quiet, loving place where the latest in a series of gruesome murders has occurred. Five dead, every member of the family murdered in cold blood, including their adorable Chihuahua Poodle Mix. But first, I'd just like to thank you and the rest of the news team for letting me cover my first real story. As you know, I've been humbly providing coverage on the latest food and drink trends and to die for recipes at the station for 10 years. And I'm excited to get you all the latest info on this terrible, terrible tragedy. 
Bon appetit! The latest murder was called into the police, who I can only imagine were eating chocolate frosted donuts with sprinkles at 11.45 this morning, when Mr. Edison, the Wesley's neighbor, came over to return their oven pan, which one can imagine him roasting potatoes on, a flutter with paprika and thyme. When nobody answered the doorbell, Mr. Edison used the spare key under the mat to get in. Once inside, he found the Wesley family's geese had been cooked with a half cup of murder. (laughs) When the police arrived, they found that the way these bodies lay arranged on the floor were the same as the bodies found last week. Flipping them over once or twice to ensure they were browned on both sides, (laughs) the police loaded the bodies onto the ambulance, desperate to find the killer behind this vicious assault and pepper. The bodies were colder than cold brew drip coffee, but the case is still red hot. For now, the community is grief-stricken, but hard-boiled in their determination to catch this killer. Hoping these senseless tragedies will be over easy, one family is egging on the cops to get this done quickly. The cops need to stop being so chicken and get this killer off the streets before we all become mincemeat rotting in the back of the refrigerator. Jim, I've got to stop here and say I could not find anyone to quote, so I went ahead and made up my own quote. I think you wouldn't have even been able to tell unless I said something. We'll have more on this story as it defrosts, excuse me, as it develops. For Channel 2 News, I'm Frankie the Food Man Norman, and I hope you enjoyed your meal. That was great. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, it was good. I I kind of would become a food critic, to be honest. Yeah, that sounded fun. I pulled up the New York Times uh, cooking recipes to get some language, yeah. and they used the, the words, a flutter with paprika. A flutter with paprika, yeah, that was good. <laughs> anyway, that's me. How about you give it a rip? Sweet. Um, Which did you choose? All right, so I chose the worst job interview ever. <laughs> what I will say is, like, if I had more than an hour, I probably would have realized that the, like underlying joke and plot that i thought of like i couldn't write in an hour (laughs) so basically i'm just gonna read up until where i got um and then i'll tell you where i was gonna go with it but like it's it's kind of unfinished (laughs) okay okay all right yeah the worst job interview ever for a long time mall security specialist at southgate shopping plaza was the perfect job for margaret goldman Her 10 to 4.30 shift meant she could still ferry her daughters to and from high school in the Goldman family's Toyota Pacifica, a Pacifica she proudly supplied the down payment for with her wages earned at Southgate. While the Goldmans were comfortable without the extra income, it did help, and it gave Margaret back a structure to her day that she'd been missing since the kids grew up a bit. Best of all, the job was easy. Her responsibility was to segue around the two-acre mall campus outside of Tallahassee, Florida, and provide shoppers and store employees with a sense of satisfaction and ease. All of this, of course, revolved around the life alert necklace she was required to carry at all times. If anything were to come up, a rolled elderly ankle, a shoplifting teen, a fender bender in the lot, her job was to push her life alert button. This alerted the two policemen, one at the north end of the mall and one at the south, that their attention was needed. That is until three weeks ago. Margaret's boss Leonard was doing routine maintenance on the fleet of segways when his shirt sleeve was caught in a running motor. Witnesses of the incident described the scene as moderately awkward and somewhat dramatic. (laughs) His index fingers ended up requiring a total of 12 stitches, 
when it came out in the aftermath that Southgate Mall Security had required Lenny to maintain the segways without ever providing the requisite mechanical training to do so, the Florida Workers' Comp Board rendered a judgment of $374,000 in Lenny's favor. Lenny left Florida without as much as a note. Southgate's first move after discontinuing the Segway program entirely was to promote Margaret to director of mall security. She was to hire her replacement to round out the two staff positions that the mall owners contracted for. Margaret was excited about being boss, but also a little bit uncertain. On a balmy September Monday, Margaret held her first interview for the open security specialist role in the gray administrative staff meeting room. Donald Sterling was waiting for her when she arrived 30 minutes before the scheduled interview. He stood at the door in full army fatigues, saluting the wall adjacent to the meeting room. Margaret readied a friendly wave. Hi, are you Donald? He interrupted. Ma'am, yes ma'am, shouted Donald, at your service. (laughs) Margaret, slightly taken aback, extended her hand for a shake. Nice to meet you, she said. Please, call me Margaret. Margaret, yes Margaret, he replied. The two entered the room. As Margaret took her seat opposite the door, Donald motioned towards his own chair. Do you mind if I sit on that side of the table, Margaret, he asked. I like to keep entrances as my line of sight. (laughs) Oh, of course, replied Margaret, getting up to switch chairs. No, you don't have to move, he assured her. They exchanged brief pleasantries about beverages, Donald assuring her that he was fully hydrated and settled in on the same side of the small desk in the meeting room. Margaret took a deep breath, smiled, and began. Thanks so much for coming in today to discuss the security specialist's role, she said, echoing the management handbook she had reviewed the night before. Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and why you think you'd be a good fit for the position? One word, Margaret, Donald said. Dean. Dean, asked Margaret. Well, four words that if you take the first letter of each, form a word. There was a brief silence. Detect, identify, exploit, and neutralize, Margaret. My time in the military makes me uniquely qualified to detect threats to the safety and security of our patrons, identify the weaknesses of those threats, exploit the weaknesses I've identified, and neutralize those threats entirely. I'm confident that my extensive training and expertise in armed combat renders me more than ready to take on the challenges of the role and ensure that our shoppers and shopkeepers feel safe and secure at all times. Wow, said Margaret. Thanks for that answer. His answer is a touch overkill, she thought to herself but it's better than someone who's uninterested or lazy. This could work. Margaret glanced at his resume. Bowling alley, cement cutting, and then at the bottom, Google, 2008 to present. Donald, I see here that you work at Google. That's quite an accomplishment. Can I ask why you're looking to move on? Yes, ma'am, you may. There was a brief silence. Why are you looking to move on, she asked. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Margaret, I don't work for Google as much as I work with Google. Donald said confidently. Margaret eyed his resume again. Like in some sort of consultative capacity, she inquired. No, I just use Google a ton. (laughs) I'm about as good at searching on Google as anyone I've ever seen. I wouldn't call myself an expert, but let's just say that recently someone told me a tomato was a fruit. And while I had to go pretty deep into the results pages, I was able to find the truth and prove to that liberal kale-eating son of a bitch that a tomato's a vegetable. Pardon my language. Ah, okay, thanks, said Margaret, beginning to doubt that Donald would be the right fit. I'd like to move on to some situational questions, if you don't mind, said Margaret. Please let me know how you might respond in a few different situations. Can do, said Donald. Margaret pulled out her copy of the management handbook. A shopkeeper called the security desk and said that she suspected that a woman was putting garments in her backpack in the fitting rooms. She's asked that someone from security go check things out. 
How much you how might you approach this situation? Is she armed? He asked. Uh, no, she's not, said Margaret. What color is she? Excuse me? I don't mean to be insensitive, but studies have shown that 100% of minorities have thought about stealing in their lifetimes. Okay, the woman is white, Margaret responded. How do you know she's not armed, Donald pivoted. Because it doesn't say she's armed in the manager's handbook, she replied, frustrated. See, that's the thing about people these days, Donald explained, leaning back in his chair. Everyone trusts everything they read in books these days. Let me ask you, do you know who wrote that book? No, said Margaret sheepishly. I bet that white lady has twin glocks, right hand to God, Donald said, leaning forward towards Margaret. <laughs> Donald, this woman does not exist. <laughs> Donald shrugged, satisfied with his answer. Why don't we try another one, Margaret suggested, happy to move on. The escalator is broken. We have an obligation under the Americans with Disabilities Act to make sure that disabled patrons can get from floor to floor. How might you approach this situation? What model is the escalator? Donald asked. Um, it does not matter for this question, she replied. Donald's face contorted. Well, how am I supposed to fix the escalator without knowing what kind of it's, he asked. Okay, let's just back up a second, Donald, Margaret explained. The correct answer to both of these questions was to call the police. The police, exclaimed Donald. Listen, I respect our boys in blue, don't get me wrong. But in all my days, I never met a cop who could hold a candle to one of the boys in the 44th platoon. Doesn't matter if it's fixing an elevator in the desert of Iraq or sniping jihadis in the desert of Iraq. Donald tapped a patch sewn above his heart on his fatigues. Margaret took this opportunity to ask a clarifying question. Donald, why don't you have your military service on your resume? Being deployed is an important accomplishment, one that's obviously shaped your professional life. Donald pointed to his resume. Well, it's right there, under education, he said. Margaret's eyes drifted down to the bottom of the piece of paper. Southgate Community College, Palm Coast High School. Right there, Margaret, 44th platoon. That's when things clicked for Margaret. Right there under the Palm Coast High School graduating class of 96, ROTC, platoon 44. Donald was a high school military volunteer. Ah, I see, said Margaret. So that's that's where I got. I love it. I want more. So, so uh, yeah, this is this is the first time I've ever written anything fiction, I realized. Um, so what was going to happen? Now shit was about to hit the fucking fan, and he was going to end up dead. Oh. Uh, so like, like a random person was going to like knock on the door and he's going to be like, Oh, like show me your identification, <laughs> like whip, whip out a gun. And then like, so that whole thing, how she had the life alert thing, uh-huh. she was going to have clicked the life alert. And then a cop, like one of those friendly cops that just like does nothing all day was going to come. And then they were going to like, I have in my notes here, uh, officer Boulevard knee explodes. <laughs> <laughs> like it was about to get extremely violent and then just end with, uh. With Margaret, like, there, covered in blood, clicking the button, clicking the life alert button, oh with, like, God. everyone dead. Yeah, so that was, that was, it was, it was an overly, kind of, uh, jingoistic military guy applying for mall security <laughs> who, who, who took things a little bit too seriously. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I want more. I really do. That was great. I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you the sequel, uh, uh, eventually. Thank you. Yeah, that was, I would say this was a successful segment. Sweet. Cool. All right, those were good stories. When we come back, we will be joined by a special guest in the studio. Take it away, Will, with your ad. Today's episode and the following message are brought to you by High Fives.
Welcome back to the catch-up. I'm here with Will, and Will's here with somebody. Isn't that right, Will? That's right. I'm here with friend, artist, person with really curly hair, Zoe Panina Baker. Welcome to the show, Zoe. Welcome, Zoe. Thank you for having me. Context, we all went to college together. That's the context. That's all you need to know. And I have known Zoe a long time, and so has Will, actually. It's right? true. Great. Zoe and I went to high school together, but didn't really know each other in high school. I didn't go to high school that much when I went to high school. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't have friends at my own school, so I hung out with Zoe and her friends because I was too scared to make friends. Yeah, so I have Zoe in the home studio right now. Yeah, so Zoe, you don't usually usually live in Washington, D.C., is that correct? I don't live in Washington, D.C. at all. But but we have the treat of you being in Washington, D.C. Why are you in Washington, D.C.? So I'm in D.C. for the next few days for the Council of American Jewish Museums Conference, um, where I am pitching uh, this project that I've been working on for the last couple of years. Now, Sweet. Same. R- <laughs> you're, you're doing that too? Uh, yep. Wow. That's why I came to D.C. I also came here for a job, but I knew that this particular council meeting would be an important one. Wow. Uh, <laughs> now, this is the that's possibly the most specific council title I've ever heard. That's like getting as niche as you can get. I would be willing to bet that there are there... sub-governance units that are way more niche than that. For sure, for yeah. sure. Okay, um, okay. It is niche, but not as niche as you'd expect. I mean, there's a lot of different museums that fall under this category of Jewish museums in the States. Let alone the Jewish Museum in New York City. Yes, wow. like the Jewish Museum, pretty much any Holocaust museum, any ah. synagogue that has a gallery, pretty much like anyone showing Jewish art or artifacts anywhere in North America falls under this category. So I definitely want to get into your involvement with it and also the the project that you mentioned. Real quick, like what types of things are important to talk about when all the stakeholders are in the same room? What happens (laughs) at the conference that couldn't happen over like email or something like that? Um, So I think it's easy uh, when you're doing like when you're working like with such such like in, in such a niche area to feel really isolated um, and feel like you're the only person doing the kind of work that you're doing. So getting everyone under the same roof and part of the same conversation really brings people together and a lot of the time like helps drive people and um, like give people the push to actually do the work they want to do. And for me, it really, really helps. Um, and the, the theme of the conference this year is about like social action and change. And of course, this is like a more important time than ever to be talking about the, the importance of museums and art and culture in, in our country. Because, because of our Lord and Savior president, you mean? Is that why? Yeah. Okay. Got you it. must not be named. We have yet. We usually mention him once per episode, and we we didn't yet this episode. Yeah. Although there was, was an quick. illusion. Did you catch the illusion in the first segment, Noah? To Donald. You named the character yeah, Donald. I named yeah. the character Donald. Yeah. We did a I... kind of a weird segment. You'll hear but, it comes out. <laughs> but actually, you said Donald Sterling. <laughs> Isn't that a person? It, he's, yeah. He was a he was an NBA owner who was had to resign in 2014 because of yeah, racist remarks. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, don't. Yeah, I remember yeah, so that. Yeah. Like Donald's not the best. Yeah. yeah not guys. Donald's are not good. Universal. Yeah. Pretty like Duck. He's I. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> duck is still holding it down for the Donalds. The Donald contingent. Holding um, strong. Um, that's 
cool. That's very cool. Um, I, uh, for those who don't know, I'm also Jewish. And this is exciting. Um, it's also, it was exciting to read about, not see your project because it was happening in Montreal. But uh, please tell us a little about your project. So my project is called Miss Mitva. It's an interactive traveling installation and storytelling project where I explore the bat mitzvah as a coming-of-age ritual for North American women. Um, a lot of the time I'm exploring it through a consumer lens, so this question of what it means to like, put a price tag on becoming a woman, um, and define the terms, especially for young women coming out of college, to define the terms of their womanhood and their Jewish life on their own terms, um, and, and reflecting on their bat mitzvah experience and what that means to them. So what I do is I collect artifacts and object like well, I collect artifacts and I collect stories. So I conduct lots and lots of interviews with people and I collect things like dresses, awkward photos, like any pair of Sophie shorts that you have like signed with all your friends' names <laughs> on it. Like literally like any of the craft that like you've had in your parents' closet, like yeah. like in your childhood bedroom forever. Like I want it and I'll like turn it into an art object basically and tell yeah. the story of like your like maybe horrible maybe super meaningful experience with your own bar mitzvah yeah i'm sure you had a real hard time finding awkward bar mitzvah clothes that people had <laughs> yeah it was like really hard like definitely nobody wanted to share with me right and like i couldn't find them anywhere yeah yeah and i was i watched the vice news piece on miss mitzvah the miss mitzvah set up in uh the miss mitzvah set up in montreal and it, you're basically just explaining what a bat mitzvah is. And I was just like, why does this story need to be told? Oh, yeah, because not everyone grew up in New York City and is part Jewish right. and like right. understands these things. But like, yeah, it's it's pretty niche for a lot of people. They, they wouldn't really know what it is. But it's definitely as awkward and, and kind of weird and important in the same way as all the other weird coming of age shit that we do. Quinceañeras are fucking weird. Debutantes, really, really weird. Sweet, Sweet 16. 16, very, yeah. very weird. Confirmation. Yeah, totally. I don't know what that is, actually. Yeah, I don't don't either. I (laughs) I know it's a Christian thing, a Catholic thing. In, like, Intro to Religion and Community College, I did learn about this one. I don't know where it is, but, like, when you're 13 and you're a guy, you're allowed to go off into the woods and you can't come back until you've circumcised yourself. Like, that's a pretty weird (laughs) one, too. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not have the privilege. I did not have the privilege, Uh, but, uh, hey, someone with a PhD told me that it existed, so I did. I'd like to see some pictures on that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Do you get any, uh, like, weird pushback or reactions or anything like this, either in the comment section of of your write-ups or, like, people that come and be weird? Um, I've had a couple negative comments on uh, some of the press I've received on the Vice, the Vice video, and then on like I had a profile on Times of Israel. Oh yeah, plug for the Miss Mitzvah yes, podcast. Miss Mitzvah podcast. Plug uh, it up. Yeah, um, but the things that happen and in, in the comment section um, are mostly attacks on me personally. Nice. Um, in a way that I've <laughs> never experienced before. That's what we like. So it was yeah. really like pretty interesting and um, like. You know, obviously, like, I can't help, but I'm always, like, doubting myself. I worry how I'm being perceived. I worry how I present myself. I worry about every word that comes out of my mouth. Being a woman, right? Whatever. Um, yes, but, us two men know exactly. Yeah, you get it? You get us it? two white guys know what you're about. So, um, the first negative comment, and the only one that I've seen on the Vice video, was about my voice. Um, and that made me feel really... Yeah, that sucks. That, that sucks. It was just, like, her voice. And I get it. Like, I have, like, kind of, like, 
vocal fry. I talk like I have this like valley girl inflection. I understand. <laughs> it's like it's not just how I talk. It's like part of the brand. I present that way intentionally in some <laughs> ways. Um, and I've chosen to speak in this way because it works with my story. Um, another thing is people say, why should we be talking about this? Nobody cares. People do care. Um, it's fun. It's fun. And it might be like in some ways superficial, but it's important for me to tell the stories of all these young women who I talk to and try to like empower them and myself and try to figure this out and sort it out. So people who tell me that it doesn't mean anything, like, honestly, I don't really give a shit. Um, but I do get very self-conscious when people critique my voice, like just as it comes out of my body and my tone. Um, and that is something that has happened a few times. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah, something that's... I've thought about working on and I don't like that I have to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Because everyone hates the sound of their own voice anyway. I mean, every time I edit an episode back, I fucking hate it. But like, I'm not showing my friend and then be like, Hey, Noah, your voice really sucks. Like, no, I, nobody wants... You already have the internal hate of your own voice. You don't need someone to point it out as well. Right. Well, we don't have enough listeners to have someone comment on it. That's our also voices, true. Which is good. It was, it's like just my <laughs> It's just like my time. mom, yeah. Yeah, when, when someone when when a stranger, when you have enough listeners that a stranger like says fuck you or like makes fun of my voice, like that's when we're wrapping this thing up. I can't. Yeah, and that brings that. me to my next question really well. How do we get famous, Zoe? <laughs> <laughs> I would love a Vice uh, video on me, personally. No, I have no, I have no answers. <laughs> I really, you know, that's, any press I've gotten has been, like, sheer luck. I've, I've had a lot of really good luck, and I've been very privileged in the last few months to have some good press. But it's not, it's not normal, and I don't expect it to be, <laughs> like, no, like, I just, I don't expect it to be the standard for, like, my entire professional life. It's, you right. know, you just have to take things as they come, and and be thankful for them. Right. That's yeah, but true. I mean, with all success, some is, of course, luck, and some is also kind of the strategy that you bring to it. Any advice to, like, the hundreds of other artists our age that just, like, have to wait tables and shit like that? So, like, waiting tables, I mean, you should be, like, be doing that, too. Okay. Um, so, like, having a supplemental income, like, so it's important to note that, like, it seems like I'm doing really well because I had invested a lot of time and money into this project personally. Mm -hmm. um, and if you like, if this is something that you want to do, be ready to commit that time and that money um, to, to scaling your project and making it a reality. It's not something that happens. Like it's not a gift. Um, people don't just like think that you're awesome and want to help you. You have to want to help yourself. So whether that means waiting tables or like, like teaching English to Chinese students on the internet or like whatever you do to like make a buck so that you can keep pouring money into your own projects. If that's what you want, have that extra source of income because honestly the money's not going to, it's not, it's not coming. You teach mm -hmm. English to Chinese kids on the internet? Yeah, that was highly specific. That sounds fucking dope. It's like a thing that people do, Is you it know? Fun? No, it's like, like you just do it. Yeah, I didn't mean to derail. I just, no, and you know, I I do all sorts of weird gigs, but like, I and right now I don't have one. This is like, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, um, it's it's hard. It's really hard. Um, and I really really want to encourage people to to have something where they don't have to worry about um about 
their work as their works financially. Mm. Um, that's like a huge emphasis for me because when you start thinking about your practice and monetizing it, you're putting a price tag on on your creative practice. And that makes it really, really hard to do the work that you feel the public deserves and that you want to do. Um, yeah. So you're down here right now rubbing shoulders with some people in the Jewish museum world. What is next for Miss Mitzvah? Um, so I did Miss Mitzvah at the Museum of Jewish Montreal. Um, the large majority of the interviews that I've conducted and the like addresses and all the stuff that I've collected is from young women in the New York area. Mm -hmm. So what I really want is over the next six months to be able to show the project in New York. Um, and then after that, I want to take it on tour. And so what I'm doing at this conference is trying to network and meet people at Jewish museums all over the country and try to see where it might be a good fit for me to show my project and also work with local communities to tell the stories of Bat Mitzvah girls all across the country. Awesome. Very it's cool. awesome. Um, well, we have you here, and you mentioned Montreal. We've had a long debate about the bagels in Montreal. Will and I mm. both went there. Um, I don't know if you had plenty of bagels, but, you know, we I think we narrowed it down to, what was it, Will, two? One was St. Viator. And bagel the Fairmount. Yeah, and Fairmount. Yeah, so yeah. Wh which do you like better? Why? Um, and how do they compare to New York bagels? Okay, so the St. Viator bagel is... The St. Viator bagel is is a superior Montreal bagel, in my opinion. It's Correct fluff. answer. It's fluffier. Um, it's not as chewy. Um, and just like in my experience, they've been fresher consistently. Um, I lived on the corner of St. Pieter and Park. So oh. it was. I was right there um, when I was in Montreal. Um, the thing about the Montreal bagels uh, in comparison to the New York bagels uh, I, I, I wasn't worried about Montreal. Oh, like hearing me talking oh, like shit. this. Oh but, shit! Oh um, shit! I tell them, fam. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, the Montreal bagel is a. I mean, I think we were talking about this yesterday. Will the Montreal bagel is good bread? Yeah, it's a good bread product. Yeah, it is a good. But bread But it is product. not a sandwich bread, and it is not a bagel the way I know bagels. Yeah. Woo and oh. I, I really, really missed the New York bagel when I was up there. So much so that, like, there were a couple weekends when I'd, like, lie in bed on a Saturday or Sunday morning and, like, literally Google, like, where can I get a New York bagel to <laughs> There are no New York-style bagel places in Montreal. There is a market for it. Anyone out there who wants to go up there and pioneer a movement, oh, shit. it's going to be very, it's going to be controversial. You're going to get pushback. There's a market for it. I was about to say, to say there's going to be like it. bagel crosses burning on your front, <laughs> <laughs> your front stoop of your bagel place. Get her out of here! People, yeah. they don't know it, but they need it. Yeah, I think I think we're on the same page with that for sure. Yeah, why's everything got to be sweet there? Every flavor is sweet. I don't know. I only don't, tried one. Don't get me started. Get him riled up. Yeah, huh. but we're like all New Yorkers, you know. Like you have to. It's like a loyalty thing, like first and foremost. I think. Yeah. Exactly. Loyalty. Well, Zoe, thank you very much for being on the show. It was awesome to see you. Awesome to have you on. Thank you for having me. And Zoe, it was awesome to hear you and not see you. Um, <laughs> well, it wasn't awesome to not see you, but I, I, I would love to see you. But um, yes, uh, when it comes to New York, you will see me there for sure. Absolutely. And All right, Noah. Will... Yeah. Um, uh, yes. What's up, man? Uh, uh, we uh, now we got to do the part where we record where we, we're saying bye. 
okay, uh, I gotta head out, Noah. I'm going to a concert. Oh, cool. I'm not. I'm two hours late. <laughs> I'm gonna make a quiche. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just not me pick with that quiche, though, right, bro? All right, I got you. I got you. Thank you. All right. All right have a good night. See you soon. Great. As we always say, don't, don't you take do it apart my toys. All right. Goodbye. Bye, Zoe. Sweet. Bye. The catch-up is Will R. and Noah Shore, with executive production by Noah Shore. Our intro music is by Headlong Snipers, and our outro music is by Skirt. Thanks to our sponsor, The Paperclip from Microsoft Office.